0: a far away place where the caravan camels alright everybody let's fly to Agrabah (laughs) so cheesy that's the only okay you know what most of that attraction spiel is just a safety spiel and by uh, someone who kind of sounds like Aladdin
1: you do not sound like Aladdin I don't
0: sound like Aladdin no I don't at all sound like Aladdin I know this
1: Aladdin sounds like Steve from, uh, Full House.
0: I do not sound like Steve from Full House. No, I never made pretended to sound like Steve from Full House.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Animusings, everybody.
0: Hi, I come from a land, from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam. His, uh, his
1: name is David King.
0: Hi, they they cut off my ear because they didn't like my face.
1: It's barbaric, but, but hey, hey, it's, it's home.
0: And over here is, uh, the real diamond of the rough, in the rough in my life, uh... Caleb, Kayla King.
1: Hello, uh, and because it is the is renaissance time, everyone is clamoring to be a guest on this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we brought. But one stood head and shoulders above the rest, and that are the real diamond in the rough. And we are joined by our good friend Ben Patton.
2: Don't don't try to give me that secondhand diamond in the rough. I don't I don't need it. I'm fine. I'm comfortable and confident in my as my status as just kind of a general uh, non diamond uh street rat i'm just your common garden uh i'm the ki- I'm, I'm one of the nameless kids at the beginning who gets a uh, bread and then doesn't appear for the rest of the movie uh, that's okay. me that's, and i'm okay with that
0: that's fine all right if you as long as you're content with your lot in life in you know the sultan's horribly taxed uh streets of agrabah oh, we're
1: gonna get into that <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that
0: <laughs> hey what year is it it's
1: 1992 my, hey. my sister is uh, six months old at this point, <laughs> and young Kayla has just turned three.
0: I would have been four, and uh, this movie would have been one of the first new movie, new Disney movies. I could, I would have been aware of.
2: Man, I was six then. I was six when this film came out. Aladdin is, to the best of my knowledge, the first Disney movie. Uh, that I ever saw uh, at the cinema. When I, I, I have a vague memory, I sometimes I get some of this memory mixed up with The Lion King, which we which we also saw in theaters. But um, I have a memory of my mum pulling me and my sister out of school for a quote family emergency, <laughs> and the emergency was we absolutely had to go and see Aladdin right now. Oh wow! Um, so we did. We went to see Aladdin. I loved it so much that my friend uh, Adam and I. Um, and anyone who's familiar with some of my recent tweets, this is not the same Adam who stole my Game Boy. That Adam can go to hell. This Adam was a cool Adam. <laughs> uh, he was a cool Adam with a, with a great sense of humor. And uh, and he and I would spend what Americans call recess.
1: Wait, what do the British call it?
2: Uh, uh, break.
1: Oh, okay. Cool
2: yeah um so during during the during the break we would uh we would reenact huge chunks of that movie during uh during our break and during during lunch um just on the playground in school just acting out large large scenes from the movie verbatim mm-hmm. it left a very strong impression on me and then um uh later i i got to play the uh, the 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 Amiga version of the Virgin Interactive platform game, which famously came out for the Sega Genesis, mm. and uh, it was one of the best-selling Sega Genesis games of all time, and indirectly led to the creation of Donkey Kong Country. Fun fact. Hey,
0: this is where this is where uh, I feel like this would be a good opportunity to quickly point out that Ben is the um, showrunner of a fantastic series called uh, Port Center. Yes, for those of you who good. don't know.
2: Yeah, I talk about interesting, unique ports, conversions, re-releases of old video games, and I did a whole episode um in the early part of twenty nineteen breaking down um different ports of Aladdin and also the influence that Aladdin had on the game industry at the time.
0: Yes. Fantastic.
2: Do you want to hear about the uh the my most recent uh viewing of Aladdin? Yes, please. Uh, sure. It was pretty great. Uh I had, had my wisdom teeth pulled. Oh no. And uh, I went from sitting in the dentist's chair uh, watching them inject, quote, the tequila into the, the drip in my arm, and then smash cut to me sitting in my roommate's car with a Jamba Juice. I don't know where this Jamba Juice came from, but I knew it was mine. And then cut from that to sitting on a couch watching bits of Aladdin. Like, I remember watching chunks of it. Um, I know I sat and watched the whole thing, but I cannot remember doing so. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's that's the memory I would be most recently pulling from, is that uh, that nightmare, uh, dental atrocity, brain p- soup uh, version of Aladdin that exists in my brain currently. Oh, fun! This would well, be amazing.
0: Yeah, we'll see if we'll see who has who saw the realist version of Aladdin. I guess, and I'm not talking about the live action remake that came
2: out earlier this year, which I have also seen. And I'm just gonna say, spoiler alert: didn't hate it. It's not wow. as good as the original, but I enjoyed it. I've heard similar things from similar people. I've I, uh,
1: heard the same thing, too.
2: Now, it's kind of eerie that um,
0: I think you and I had a very similar experience with Aladdin because mm. um, after I saw it, um, uh, growing up, I had a... Um, next door to me, there was a, 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 a my friend Bryce. He, his name was Bryce. He was like one of the first real, quote-unquote, friends I had. Um, he had one of those big uh, trampolines in his backyard, and the two of us would often jump on that trampoline and just, again... This is eerie. Reenact Aladdin. Big chunks of it because it was fun to do. He was either if that it-
2: or for some reason, the page master. I feel like your experience is more authentic than mine because obviously two-thirds of the movie Aladdin does take place on a trampoline and I didn't have access to <laughs> one of those in school. So i feel like you had the better ex- Aladdin recreation experience. Page Master though, your Page Master experience was uh, inauthentic. There were yeah. hardly any trampolines in Page Master, just I, the three. And, I don't remember. Uh, they...
0: The one thing I could say is that as we jumped uh, for some reason, every time we got to the part with the Haunted House, uh, Leonard Nimoy would show up and he would start narrate, playing that part of the movie like just with us and it was very strange oh. anyway you know playing dr jekyll
1: like leonard nimoy climbed over the fence yeah he would just show up
0: and he were like who and then he'd go off and like and then we'd look at each other and go who is that guy
2: well i mean you famously lived next door to leonard nimoy so i, I, I mean did, he just was, he was kind of the wilson it. of uh, of your of the your home improvement life
0: yes yeah <laughs> I was also best friends with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but we'll talk about that another time.
2: Uh, That's be your separate podcast, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas cast.
1: Oh, no, we're going to discuss that during Lion King, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, um, this is, um, like, I, this is not one I owned. I never owned this one. I never owned it on, uh, on VHS or DVD or anything like that. Uh, but I rented it a lot, and I watched it a lot. And I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this one as a kid. I think I enjoyed it way more as a kid. Uh, than I recall and having wa- rewatched it recently um I have some additional thoughts but um it's interesting looking at it with a, a different set of eyes um and unlike uh Ben who was in kind of a fugue state um hmm. i uh I did watch it pretty pretty much all on firing on all with my my brain firing on all cylinders so um yeah I, I'll have some thoughts
1: um so I- as I mentioned before, uh, the first movie I ever saw in theaters was Little Mermaid, but I was like a baby being held in my mom's arms while this happened. Aladdin, on the other hand, Aladdin is actually um, the first movie theater experience that I have memory of. And, oh. um, I mean, I was three at the time, so, uh, and I remember vividly uh, running up and down the, uh, like, the stairs or, like, the sides. Mm-hmm. Uh and there was another little kid also running around with me, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was during the part of A, a Whole New World. Aww. Like, that is actually a memory that I have in my mind. Oh, wow. And that's my first... Uh, well,
2: you, you were clearly... If you were running around the theater, you were clearly very engaged with the material.
1: Oh, of course I was. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: um, uh, I, this was a movie I owned. I, I d- actually did enjoy this movie. I... Um, I was Jasmine actually for Halloween a few times, if I recall. Actually, mm. um, when I was uh, when I was little, um, about like I want to see three turning four, my parents took me on a Disney cruise, uh, and when I mean Disney cruise, it was a Disney World cruise. So that was the first Hello. time I ever went to Disney World. And there's a some I think there's somewhere is a picture of me and my dad, and my dad was dressed up as Aladdin, and I was dressed up as Jasmine when oh. they do the those picture things. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I have that. Um, I think my sister and I reenacted Aladdin a few times, but um, as an, as I got older um, and became more of a geek of animation, um, I there was two things that influenced my knowledge and um, love of Aladdin. Um, I don't love it as much as Beauty and the Beast. Just letting you know this, but I do have Aladdin fairly memorized, mm-hmm. and it's due to two reasons. One. Um, I bought a $6 book, uh used book, and this used book is called Aladdin, The Making of an Animated Film, and it's from 1992. Oh, wow. And it is, yeah, and you, I know it's 1992, because Robin Williams' name is nowhere to be found in this book. They have to say the words, the voice of the genie, the genie, they you'll call him genie, <laughs> Like, they can' they don't wow. say the same at all they, they well once we get into the history I'll explain why that happened but um, a second thing and this is just how nerdy Kayla was when I was 17 um, uh, a group of friends and I did like this sort of uh, writing back and forth RPG thing where uh, we each had our own character and um, had a whole storyline with it so what I did was I kind of wrote a weird fanfiction where I made our characters as Aladdin characters and it just followed the movie step by step so cool. I basically read the whole script and made fun of it using our characters that's somewhere on Art, by the way if you-
2: that's adorable that's very you because it's it's Aladdin fanfiction that is also an MST3K episode yes. I love that <laughs>
1: I, it's kind of weird. But yes, it's somewhere on DeviantArt if you can find it. It won't make any sense because all the characters that are replaced are, like, OCs, so...
0: I'm going to find
1: it. and you'll, <laughs> It makes no sense. I will uh, find
2: you. And and I will read you. you.
1: But, uh, so as I'm, like, as David and I were watching it last night, um, I was, I was like, I could say the words, word for word, what happens going into it. Plus, yes. uh... I mean, I saw the live the live show when it was at Disneyland or Disney's California Adventure. Mm-hmm. So I yeah.
2: missed that show. I me too. I I'm not super into Frozen, mm-hmm. so the Frozen show has no draw to me whatsoever, yeah. and I really missed the Aladdin show at the Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, a, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Ace, was Aladdin at that show. It was like one of his um, first regular acting gigs, and he actually came back to play Aladdin. For its last couple of weeks, I believe. Oh
1: that's, oh, that's awesome! That's
2: excellent. Yeah.
1: Um, a a podcaster we follow, uh, Mark Gagliardi did the genie at that show. Nice. Uh, he uh he's on We Got This, and then was on the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And nice. Uh, it, so that was a cool thing. We were like, oh, that's so cool. We may have seen. Him. <laughs> we
0: may have seen Mark Mark Gags before we knew about the <laughs> Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is pretty neat. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Hey, Kayla. Now that we know our own histories, tell us about, Especially, you got me very intrigued with the whole voice of the genie bit.
1: Okay, so, so well, before I get into that, uh, let's start with the conception for it, which uh, yeah. began in 1988 when Howard Ashman uh, pitched the idea. He actually had a uh, 40-page film treatment and um, had songs written and everything, uh, and they turned it down. The studio was like, no, we don't like this. Fools. Linda Wolverton, however, wrote a draft of Aladdin, and that draft was something they're like, okay, we'll have that shelved. Uh, by the way, Linda Wolverton was the one who wrote the screenplay for Beauty and the Beast. So yes. Yes. She was brought for this. Good. Uh, so we got Ron Clements and John Musker, who are the directors for Little Mermaid. Yeah. And yep. they were like, okay, so we got three projects we got on here. We got Swan Lake... We got King of the Jungle, which actually will eventually become Lion King, and we got Aladdin. Um, they didn't seem as interested in King of the Jungle, and Swan Lake felt a little too much like Little Mermaid for them. And uh, this is actually their words. Uh, they said, Aladdin seemed more fun, a lot more fun, cartoonier, and I honestly think that's the best way to describe...
0: Cartoonier is definitely, like, I was going to say right off the bat, from the yeah. very beginning, I'm like, this is going to be a lot a lot more... Um- a lot more slapsticky, a lot more of a, um, a little more Looney Tunes, if you want to put it that yeah.
1: So, um, they did bring back, uh, Howard Ashman and Alan Mencken to the new music. Uh, let's not forget Howard Ashman is like, yeah, I'm, um, I'm dying of AIDS right now. hmm So, but he was very passionate about this project. And, right. Th- I mean, this was something he wrote a 40-page draft for,
0: now, it should be mentioned, too, that uh, before we um, watched this movie, Kayla and I finally got around to watching um, Waking Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. documentary that's kind of about the the animation department at Disney and the animation Walt Disney animation from, like, 84 to 94. Yes. So I have some new perspective about a lot of the things that went on there, and I highly recommend it. Uh, Brian Ward, who was in our um, Rescuers Down Under episode... Uh, recommended that one to us and uh, i want to say brian we did it uh if you're listening to this thank you for uh pushing us to watch it i we probably would have watched it anyway but it was definitely worth it so <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and uh but and they actually had some songs that were written already for that they already had planned out um and some of those songs did get into the movie uh and now the i uh no, I'll wait on that actually. Oh, okay. Uh, but Howard Ashman did pass away in 91. So, uh and they needed more songs to be written. Tim Rice was there basically at right place right time. Um he was trying to develop uh his musical Evita into a uh Disney movie. And uh which um Rice was like, "Well, I want to cast Madonna and then um <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg like, well, I don't like her. And then once Katzenberg was fired, uh, they. He.
0: Re- he I, I don't think he wasn't fired though. He resigned. Resigned. Right? He resigned. Oh, that's
1: right. He re- resigned. In quotations. Uh, <laughs> he. Uh, it Avita actually would eventually get made into a film with Madonna. Mm-hmm. So, um, then. Uh, Tim Rice was, a bit. he was just on the Disney lot trying to work on that, and when Howard Ashman died, they were like, would you like to help continue writing these songs, or help us out with this? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, now they basically were, have developed this film, and we're working on it, and then Black Friday happened, they call it Black Friday, hmm. and by the way, this book was a lot of help. Yep. So, uh, I got this knowledge from there. And uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg told him, "A line's not working. Scrap it."
0: Why am I not surprised? It's Katzenberg again.
1: Yeah, it's always it's Katzenberg.
0: always Katzenberg.
1: Rewrite the whole script.
0: Yeah, he's not a
2: great figure in Disney history. No, no.
1: he's not.
0: Uh, I have a little more sympathy for him after um, watching *Waking Sleeping Beauty*, but not much. Like, I'll just be honest. Just after everything I heard before.
1: However. However. They're like, okay, well, are you going to give us more time? Oh, no, you have 19 months.
2: Oh, my god. They
1: did not change the release date.
2: Oh, no. Wow.
1: Yeah. So they're like, oh, okay. So they had to change everything. But uh, he actually had some good ideas. One of them was getting rid of um, Aladdin's mother and some other human psychics Mm -hmm. to give uh, uh, the Jasmine some more character. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, at that time, Jafar was uh, a, mu- uh, the villain was a much more like wild, bombacious, and uh, Yago was the more stuffy British guy. And they said switch, switch personalities. So uh-huh. Yago's more like loud, and Jafar is much more calm. And-
2: that that does posit a parallel universe in which Gilbert Gottfried voiced Jafar, <laughs> and I, I'm glad we don't live in that universe, but I would like to visit it.
1: Yeah, I know. That would have been like,
2: interesting. Like a long weekend, you know, just like driving to Vegas just like pop over to this parallel world for, you know, 4 days and and watch the version of the movie where uh I don't know, Walter Cronkite was the genie and uh I don't just every <laughs> everything is flip reverse, turned upside down. Oh my gosh.
1: And then um
0: it's almost like a universe where Will Smith was the genie because his life got flipped turned upside down. <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: Okay, so... Okay, now I'm gonna... I'm gonna get into the big thick of it. This is actually... I'm not sure if I should discuss this part first, or...
0: I think we get it out of the way.
1: Okay, so... For those... If you have not guessed or did not know, Robin Williams voiced the genie. And he basically is what makes this movie, in my opinion. Um, and... Yeah, a lot of actually, actu- a lot of uh, critics thought so at the time. Mm-hmm. Like when pe- when critics were praising the movie in 1992, they were like, "Oh my gosh, Robin Williams just makes it." Yeah. So, um, uh, the genie at first, when they were uh, like uh, conceptualizing the idea, this was when Howard Ashman and, or uh, yeah Howard Ashman and Alan Menken were developing it. Mm-hmm. They were thinking of him more as like a a hipster, like a fat swaller kind of guy.
0: Fat uh, <laughs> Fats Waller.
1: Uh, and that's why they went wanted- I suddenly
0: ha- p- pictured another alternate universe where, um, just because, maybe because I saw Be Kind Rewind, uh, where, uh, Jack Black is the genie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
2: Jack Black is the genie would have been really good. Right?
1: Yeah, well, Like, was- I mean, don't like- hate
2: this idea. No, that would have yeah. been
1: good. Now I kind of wish in 2019. Okay. Just saying, uh, that's a
2: weird train of thought.
0: Fats Waller to Be Kind Rewind to Jack Black. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and the music they had was- Uh, like, big band swing style as a result. Um, That, that of course, changed, but that whole swing style stayed. That's why... That's
0: right, and A Friend Like Me kind of has that.
1: A Friend Like Me and uh, uh, Prince Ali... Well, Prince Ali's more Broadway, but A Friend Like Me has that uh, swing style. Yeah. So, um, when they were figuring out voice roles for... Uh, the genie they wanted a well-known movie star now normally they usually just get voice actors or TV actors right but broader. at this point
0: they hadn't really cracked had not well I mean well, they, they, they had. had they had no 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 I mean like I'm not saying they. they in Oliver and company they obviously cast celebrity had celebrity voice actors yes for a lot of those parts but um,
1: but this time they knew they wanted someone big and Robin Williams was their first choice okay uh how they got him to be a part of this now just letting you know, he was already doing a voice for... For Ferngully? For Ferngully. That's right. And that movie would also come out in 92. uh uh-huh. And then, not only that, he was working on Hook and Toys. And actually... Is wh- it him? Yeah. yeah. And actually, he would record his voice between those two movies. Like, during breaks between those two movies. Oh, wow. Um, But he was convinced when Eric Goldberg uh, did a test reel of the genie performing some of William's, uh, like, stand-up. So like he would animate the genie and then have it uh like him do like his stand up and Robin Williams laughed. <laughs> and he that won him over.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um now he voiced the genie for the SAG uh salary, which is only 75000 mm-hmm. seventy five thousand when his normal fee at that time was eight million. Twelve. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but he had um he had conditions. Uh he had some uh a provisos, uh a big <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for laughing at that.
0: Uh, that's good. That's good.
1: Uh, he didn't want his name or image uh, being used for the marketing. Uh, he didn't want his character, which was a supporting character, to take up more than 25% of the space in like uh, the advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he just also didn't run, really want anything to do with like selling toys. He's like, I don't want my voice to be with the toy, like, selling toys. Like, uh, toys for, like, Burger King and all that. I don't want to be used as a marketing tool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, guess what Disney did? If All see- of
2: that? Yeah. They- and more. Yeehaw.
1: Now, they didn't use his name in the commercials, but they did use his voice, and they did use his uh, character definitely to sell toys and fast food tie-ins, which he did not want. And if you look at that poster, that genie is a huge part of that poster.
2: He's. I will stress because I. I he is twenty five percent of the poster. It's just everyone else on that poster is four percent. It's like exactly, it's yeah, really tiny everyone else.
1: <laughs> and uh, he was like, "I, I'm done. No, I, I. This is such so disrespectful, and um, didn't want to work with them. Uh, this is why in the Return of Jafar, he refused to sign on for it. He was like, "No, not anymore. And I don't like what you did." So that's why Dan Castellaneta is the voice of the genie for that. He
2: refu- Yeah, he refused to work with Disney ever again. Like he he tur- he uh, backed out of projects and turned down other stuff that they threw at him. Um, and it wasn't until uh, was it Iger sent him uh, an original? What was no, it? Picasso no, no, no. no. The, they
1: they tried to. That was the first one. They they actually did send him a Pablo Casso painting. Mm. But that
0: I, I thought and wasn't that Michael Eisner who was like, "Hey, Robin." You're right. I it
2: resigned. was it was it was Eisner, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he was like, "And no, it did This, this you- is still damaged." It wasn't until Jeffrey Katzenberger <laughs> left, resigned in quotations, and was replaced by uh, Joe Roth, and Joe Roth actually or organized a public apology to yeah. Williams, like said, "We are so sorry. What that was not okay at that time." And Williams was touched by that. So in nineteen ninety six, uh, he agreed to do the voice for Aladdin and the King of Thieves.
2: Which uh, they'd already recorded Dan Castellaneta's stuff, so yep. and uh, then... Robin Williams came back and, and kind of re-recorded everything. Didn't he have to it was, it was a it was a dub, right? Because they'd already done a lot of the key animation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: So
0: <laughs>
1: it's so crazy.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is a this is a weird and this is why, um, isn't it nice that we're getting near the end of Katzenberg's run with Disney? Yeah. It's I'm just, so looking forward to that being
1: over. It, it just feels like um, any time we bring up a movie, it's like, we just say like, oh, he's like, scrape this, met, we're done. It's like, he makes these... He
0: did kind of ruin the Black Cauldron. Yeah. Let's be real. And didn't he, kind of he nearly
2: it. broke Toy Story as well, right?
1: We don't know about that. Uh, we didn't...
2: We uh, He might have, though.
1: He might have. Mm. Um, Pixar did work on this film, by the way, but there was a time Yeah. For, uh, Pixar also worked on um, Aladdin. So any of the, th- the 3D digital animation, that's Pixar.
2: That makes sense. Um, they did the carpet as well, right? They did the texture y- mapping for, y- the, yes. for the carpet. I yeah. will share a couple of other tidbits, and I hope that nothing I'm about to say is going to step on any of Kayla's research. Uh, when it comes to the aforementioned Sega video game that was developed by Virgin Interactive and published by, uh, uh, actually published by Sega for the Genesis, um, it was the first video game that Disney's animation studios directly worked on. They they did key animation, key art for for the game, and it's the first time that Disney Disney did that, and they would go on to do that for. Um, for Hercules, for The Lion King, for a couple of other games. They don't, they don't do it so much anymore. Um, but uh, also, uh, Aladdin was the first Disney movie to get a direct-to-video sequel. The Return of Jafar mm-hmm. is the first Disney straight-to-video sequel. He began a long line of some uh, some not very good movies. No, <laughs> right,
0: you are correct. Sir. I think I do want to pay a little bit of um, respect to uh, Return of Jafar and uh, King of Thieves, in the grand scheme of Disney sequels, uh, direct-to-video sequels, those two aren't bad.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Like They're rough, for, but they're not yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, for, for my money, the best sequels to, to... the best straight-to-video sequels are Return of Jafar. Mm-hmm. Um, I have very vague memories of The King of Thieves. I own it. I should probably rewatch it at some point. Uh-huh. Um and um I I don't hate um Brother Bet I don't hate Brother Bet 2, and I don't hate uh Bambi Two.
0: I have not seen either of those, so
1: um, They're pretty good. From what I remember, King of Phoebes was pretty good. I think I actually like that more than I liked Return to uh Jafar, but um
0: That's the one with um, John one Reese Davies isn't it in, yes, is in that you one. You are
1: correct. Ron John Reese Davies voices Aladdin's father. Right. Um but uh <laughs> uh, I don't want to go off too, track too much, so... Right,
0: um, right, right. Sorry. I just... <laughs> no,
1: you're fine. No, we're, we're,
0: for some reason, I think we're going to be... We're going to talk more about the history of this film, or the film itself, in a weird way. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of history, there. It does. Yeah.
1: Um, Uh. let me get into, well, the reception for it. Like, yeah,
0: um, how did this do? So,
1: the budget was only $28 million. Okay. Now, uh, just to let you know, Beauty and the Beast was 25000000 million. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not... A little
0: more for this one. A little
1: more, but... um. Now it's opening weekend. It started with only making nineteen point two million, mm-hmm. but Home Alone Two: Lost in New York was going on <laughs> at that time.
0: It's the curse of Home Alone, yeah.
1: But but, it, eight weeks later, it finally reached the number one, and it was in theaters for a long enough time that it did really well. It was the most successful film in nineteen ninety two. Wow! It made uh, two hundred and seventeen million in domestically and then over 504 million worldwide. Oh. Ow. Oh. Just to give you a uh, perspective, Beauty and the Beast was 425 million war- worldwide. Mm. That it was it became bigger than Beauty and the Beast.
0: That's crazy to me.
1: Um now uh in terms of Academy Awards, um it was nominated for uh best song or two of their songs were nominated for best uh song, which includes uh, A Whole New World and Friend Like Me. Mm. Guess which one won?
0: A Whole New World? Yes. Yep.
1: Um, As well as they won for Best Original Score. uh, But they were nominated for Best Sound Editing and Best Sound. They were this close I'm making a small thing to be nominated for Best Screenplay until they had to admit, no, no are you doing this because of what Robin Williams said? And they are like well, yeah, and they're like, "That's just his improv." And they're like, "Oh, the academy <laughs> was going to nominate them for best screenplay because of Robin Williams." Wow.
0: wow! And actually,
1: if you look at the critics and their praise, most of it goes to Robin Williams. Yeah, like this is definitely a Robin Williams vehicle. If there is any, like everybody was like, "This."
0: He is kind of the heart and soul of this film. In a lot yeah,
1: of ways. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and th- I mean, that's I think that's a good way to begin the hist like to begin this. And then we delve into going into a desert. And
0: right, right. So now we're going to actually talk about the movie, right? Yeah,
1: yes, we're going to talk about the movie. So the film begins um, in, uh, well, a desert at first, where we see the camels row and ag- this Arabian Nights begins. Beautiful music. Uh, very, very... Um, it, it it's that right mood for um beginning this movie I want to say. It's a,
0: yeah, it's kind of mysterious, kind of like, you know, um if it it's the setting. Yes. And I think it's a great way because like I think that why this scene in particular is is pretty good is it establishes everything with lots of moving shots and then I I love the the, the when we first see Agribot. It is <laughs> huge. Yeah. And it's weird, because, like, the the hugeness is in, like, contrast, because, like, the Sultan's Palace is as big as the, looks like on the frame, like, as big as the entire town. Like, the buildings are all really, really small in Agrabah proper, and the palace is, like, massive, Mm. and it takes up the majority of, of the scene, so... They do a good job, again, like, uh, you, you gotta... Considering we've been watching this since Snow White, like, I'm always talking about how the multi-pane camera and all the, like, those shots just get better and better and better. Yeah. The way it swoops through everything, through the desert, down through the streets of the city, like, past the Fire Eater, like, there's just... It's really good, and I think this really sets up the setting and the scope of but, the
1: By the way, movie. I, one of the things that always stood out in my brain is uh, Aladdin's Palace. Like, that is a very... Uh, definite location what not just Agrabah Ba itself but the actual palace yeah like I can visualize it in my brain more so than like even like, any other castle like I can, like I can picture that more than like snow White's castle yeah or even Cinderella's castle or, yeah like, any i other.
2: think i think a big part of that is just it 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 it's very kind of clean simple shapes and curves as well like it's mm-hmm. uh it it's just a very uh it's, it's memorable by virtue of the fact that it's it is so it's simple but stunning.
0: Yeah, it's got those like huge like minarets and uh, it's kind of just like white and gold.
1: Well, that's, but it go ahead, sorry. But it
0: sticks out because like again, I think because the I think for me the the thing I think about is it's just the scale of it is so huge mm. and it, it's iconic because I think it looms larger than any other Disney castle or palace that we've
2: seen. Oh yeah, um, it's huge. Well, yeah,
1: that was the idea behind the animation of this film as well. Um, I, as I probably mentioned before, <laughs> with,
2: uh,
0: the, with your animation book.
1: Yes, I will continuously reference that book, Aladdin: <laughs> The Making of an Animated Film, um, by John Colhane. If you can, if you guys can get the book, I recommend it. It is a very fascinating read. Um, Erica Goldberg, who is the animator for that, or what, or was. I think he was a head animator. He he played an important role. Mm-hmm. Um, knew that with this film, he wanted to to be a lighter tone. Like mm-hmm. the idea is that it's supposed to feel more cartoonier, and as a result, everything is more curvier. And actually, a lot of the characters follow that simple shape t- as well, like mm-hmm. those simple shapes as well. Um, that it's much more curves. Uh, how he described it as hollywood style
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: which it's like Hollywood hollywood's
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you look at you look it makes sense to me because like you look at like a lot of the the old hollywood architecture and stuff and there's a lot of like Arabian kind of curves and stuff anyway. That's true. Think of like, you know, like even the uh, De- De- California adventure, you know how they like the entrance to the to Hollywood land area, but I don't know what it even is thematically anymore. That area so is slowly being taken over by Marvel. But I,
2: I think that in terms of like, if you go to places in, in, in Los Angeles or in, in Hollywood specifically, like for example, the Paramount Studios, the gates of Paramount Studios have had those very kind of clear Agribar esque curves. And there's a little bit of that to the, the, uh, uh, to the main gates of the Disney Studio as well. There's a, a lot of those uh, old studio lots have that. I think there are a couple of exceptions, but they they do have that kind, those kind of those sleek curves that sometimes come to a point and it's it's it uh aladdin is very that the architecture of aladdin and the art design of of aladdin is very very evocative of that
0: i think like the dome and the archway are the things i think of because even in the streets of agrabah and some of those like scenes in the movie you'll see like a lot of like um you know a lot of like curved lines like you know
1: it's been a, okay I try, I, okay i'm not gonna lie whenever um despite living in the la area i try to avoid hollywood when i can fair but, but <laughs> if i recall is it similar to agrabah where people are trying to sell you stuff on the street <laughs> like uh, I, I feel like that's sort of a thing in hollywood like there is actually a lot of vendors but maybe i'm
0: well that's mainly Hollywood Boulevard.
1: Yeah, I'm that's what I'm thinking, Hollywood Boulevard. Which is
0: why you and I tend to avoid Hollywood Boulevard.
1: Mhm. There it's
0: <laughs> um well uh, the the other comparison I can make is that in Hollywood they will cut off your ear if they don't like your face. So Oh
1: yeah, so in the in the song <laughs> Arabian Nights, um the original lyrics to that is they'll cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. <laughs>
0: They changed it though. They
1: did. It's now um, uh, where the the sand is immense and the heat is intense. Mm-hmm. It's barbaric. Yeah. It's home.
2: <laughs> that barbarous heat.
1: That barbarous heat. Oh god.
0: Out there oh, on the Barbary coast. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Agrabah can't be that far from the ocean because they have fresh fish in that market.
1: Yeah. The. Uh, Although, and then, um, the peddler, when he's selling you stuff, doesn't, he, he's like, "This is fancy sea tupperware,
0: yeah, I think he does <laughs> but yeah. by
1: the way, the peddler is voiced by Robin williams uh they there was gonna be an idea at the end of this film that that peddler that you see in the beginning was going to turn out to be the genie, but they took that out, but and- yeah.
0: in my mind, is still the genie because you could see all the motifs, and like he. Obviously, he's he's now by the end of the movie, he's free and wandering the world. but he decides to be a human peddler for a while. <laughs> he does I, have I, the lamp.
1: I, I one of my favorite things, and I I uh, I think there is footage of this somewhere. There has to be. Um, I, I I know that Ben mentioned he probably saw some of it or knows there's somewhere out there. Uh, uh, that there is a claw. Like there's a so. The way this scene was played out is that they put a bunch of items on a table, put a tablecloth over it, and then Robin Williams just kind of improvised and just pulled the tablecloth off and was, like, just talking about random stuff that was on the table. And there's, like, a good uh, time or an, a lot of... I don't want to I don't know if it's hours or an hour. I just know... There's it's, a lot
0: of footage. There's
1: a lot of footage of him just talking about s- stuff and... Making and making the like animators laugh while this is going on, and of course <laughs> they can only have to cut it down to like two minutes and choose the best bits for it. Yeah, but I want to see more of this because I know he gets a little rated R too.
0: <laughs> I would be down to look, find that footage if we could. Um, I actually, like I said, I, I like, I just, I really like the way this movie opens. By the way, Ben, I'd like to play a little game. Sure. Okay, I call it guess the Ashman. So. Three of the songs in this movie were were Mm. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, but only three of them. Uh, When we get to each of the songs in this movie, as we bring them up, I want you to tell me if you think the song is, from your memory, if you think Ashman had a hand in it or not.
1: So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Howard Ashman did pass away during uh, during production of this. So, um, uh, he contributed some of the songs, but not all of them, while... um, the others were written by Alan Menken and Tim Rice, mm-hmm. and what well, I guess we could say it's Ashman or Rice. Which... A- okay, uh,
2: yeah, Ashman or Rice.
1: So let's start with uh, uh, Arabian Nights. Ashman or Rice?
2: Ah, uh, Arabian Nights. I I want to say this one is Rice. Wrong. Wrong.
1: Yes, Ashman actually helped work on this. Okay. Uh,
2: Shows what I know.
1: Well, it's it's hard. But
2: the more you know. I mean, it's,
1: it's it's still got Alan Menken's fingerprints on it. Like mm. that's the difficult part. Alan Menken worked on every single one of these songs. So Alan Menken
0: poked each song. Yeah.
1: Boop, 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 boop. Uh, if it helps, think of it this way: you uh you got Howard Ashman and Alan Menken who worked on um Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid before this, yeah. and then their main baby. before uh, before all of this was working on little shop of horrors mm-hmm. uh tim rice was working on evita so if you know any of the songs from evita like don't cry for V argentine yeah, yeah. <laughs> that maybe that'll help mm-hmm. i don't know uh so
0: yeah the genie i mean i since the pet since it's still robin as the genie here i mean do we want to talk about the genie at this point because like Let's be real. We're gonna we're gonna kind of talk. We're gonna talk about the genie. A I lot. Know.
1: Okay. Um,
0: Should we get it all out of the way up front yeah, about how? Okay. I, the heart and soul of the movie.
1: Let's be honest. The heart and soul of this movie is Robin Williams as the yes, genie.
2: Yes, absolutely, hands down. No, no. There's absolutely no argument for me. Like, uh, I know that you had mentioned before about the. The, the the marketing fiasco that led to the huge fallout between robin williams and disney um but i think a hu- not just in terms of the film but i think a big draw for getting people into the theaters to see the film in the first place was the fact that robin williams was voicing this character like they 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 made a big deal out of the fact that look who we got
1: um,
2: <laughs> and they shouldn't have done but they absolutely did and uh and it 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 paid off and uh, and uh, the genius as soon as the genie is on the screen and whenever the genie's on the screen he kind of dominates the proceedings Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i mean well like even with his introduction so like the point when um aladdin comes in and uh like rubs the lamp and the genie comes out i mean robin williams is on fire like first of all it is The combination, I think, of three things that makes this movie. Okay. It's Robin Williams' improv. Mm -hmm. The music. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. The music, all the songs in here are amazing. Mm. And three, the animation that is done to Robin Williams' stand up. Like, again, he's improvising the whole time. They're just giving him basic, like, the script itself is very basic, and he's just, Taking this like basic line and then going off of it, uh, like I mean, the introduction is "um, uh, ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck." That's the that was like the opening line. It's just oh, a throwaway line. But then he goes off like actually sp- goes like g- spins his head and is like, "Yeah, does that feel good to be out of there?" Hi, where are you from? What's your name? <laughs> uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. <laughs>
0: Do I call you Al or Our maybe Din kid. or maybe Laddie?
2: You know, Laddie.
1: Here, boy. All of that is just Robin Williams, and then the animators listening to this and going, "Okay, we got to animate this," and they do,
2: like In, with a compacted production schedule. Exactly. As
1: well. Let's not forget that, like Jeffrey Katzenberg, basically said, mm, "I don't like this." Cut it off and said, "You still have this date to release it." And the fact that they're able to do that is insane. Yeah. Like, and it and it works. It works very well. And it also, by the way, the genie as a character itself is, um, I, is very likable. And Mm -hmm. it actually, I think one of the things that I do like is the fact he is free transforming or is someone that would, like, just, um. He's a,
0: he's a character who can pass freely in and out of the fourth wall, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But not, not just that, but, um, he transforms himself very easily. This is someone who has a lot of power. Like, that that's the idea behind it, is that um he has phenomenal cosmic powers. Itty-bitty living space. But he... He's, but still, with this power, he's able to do quite a bit. And if you think about it, what he's doing is kind of incredible. Like, a, a, he's suddenly able to turn himself into a game show host. He's, like, making stuff appear and disappear. Like, it's nothing... So it's, so that shows his power, but he's just doing it for humor purposes. Yeah.
0: He conjures, yeah. He, he's able to conjure, like, beings out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. And- like, literal beings. Like, again, when he, when, when he makes, um, Aladdin into Prince Ali and they do the whole parade, how much of that stuff is real people that he said, like, real sycophants, and how much of it is just stuff the genie has conjured into being?
1: Exactly. And so this is, I, and, it makes sense. This is a guy who's been stuck in his uh, lamp for thousands of years, so no doubt he's probably a little, like, <laughs> so he's probably, it's like, I have all this power, I need to work with it, I need to have fun with it, like, un- or I'm gonna be bored.
0: It was a good idea to have the genie be a fun character instead of an intimidating character. Well,
1: it could have gone different routes for a genie, like, the, a typical, think of it this way, uh, just as a character in itself, you got the genie, right. you got a genie. They're stuck in a lap for 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. They have all the power in the world, but they are stuck basically doing the whims of this human and just being like, right. okay, here we go again. They could be either be extremely jaded and angry about it, or they go down the Robin Williams route and are being just having fun with it and just doing what they can within the limits mm-hmm. and just base and also going a little crazy too because they're a little he is kind of a little crazy this is a guy making references no one would ever get technically in this world
2: yeah it's that's just for us it's for us it's not for Aladdin Aladdin's not gonna get that Rodney Danger, dangerfield impression when he's losing uh chest to the carpet
1: no he's not he's, yeah he, he's not gonna get how Jack Nicholson is telling him uh if you like you gotta be a straight shooter dude. you gotta like no this the audience that gets it and like David yeah. said fourth wall breaking
0: he's got phenomenal cosmic power he knows we're there <laughs> Yeah. Oh no.
1: hey at the end of the film made you look exactly <laughs> um actually uh speaking of um i'd like to talk about aladdin i i know i'm going because uh he is the main character of this
0: yeah he is kind of the main character
1: and i know it, it- the film is about him still like the genie does make this. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But how is Aladdin as a character? The way we're introduced to him is um, through one drum We see him um, just uh, trying to get away from guards. One of them voiced by. Um, What's Jim Cummings. Thank you, David. <laughs> I appreciate that. Jim
0: Cummings does a few voices in this one. Actually, yeah, I recognize mm-hmm. him in a few places. He's the one guard, uh, the leader of the guards. He's the, the the fruit seller who tries to cut off Jasmine's hand with I a think so. scimitar.
1: Well, I don't. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote us on that. I know for a fact he's the head guard. That without a doubt, he's definitely that guy. But um he his voice is recognizable in a couple other places. So, um yeah, he is. So Aladdin is. Uh, just talking about how Agrabah is basically a uh, bad economic system. And- <laughs> is he? Is he though? Is he no, he, though? no, he's not. But he, it's shown through his actions. Uh, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. So, what do we think of Aladdin?
0: Well, he's there. No, <laughs> no, he's he's fine. He's a good. He's a he's a good protagonist. Again, I think it's interesting because he's um, he's got agency enough to like carry himself through the movie. And he, I kind of like how he's able to just parkour his way out of situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like. There's, there's this whole theme in the movie that comes up about, you know, what it means to have, uh, I feel like one of the, you know, one of the big themes of the movie is what it means to have, like, freedom. So you got three characters, three, the three main characters are trapped in different ways. Uh, Aladdin is stuck in a cycle of sort of poverty where he has to steal to survive. Jasmine is stuck because of, uh, her lineage. And the genie is just straight up a slave. Yeah. So like, how do each of these people, how do all three, these three people look at freedom and how do they gain it? So Aladdin, he seems, oh, he could just run around and steal stuff, but he's always got like people at his back. He actually seems to have the kind of, he, he has a good attitude about it. He's good at it. He's funny. He's sarcastic. He's, uh, he's entertaining. I think he shines most when he's with either the genie or Jasmine.
1: He plays off, and I think that's probably another reason why they have a boo as well. He does well when he's playing off other characters.
0: Yeah. He's he's definitely got the Thief of the Heart of Gold thing going on. It's the diamond
1: in the rough. And that's the whole idea. I mean, that's the the whole premise of this is you got Jafar wanting to steal this lamp that the genie is in, uh, and according to the tiger protecting the Cave of Wonders, uh, only one may enter, and it's a diamond in the rough, specifically Aladdin. Why is it Aladdin? We don't know. But... You had a theory, I think, about what did with the Cave of yeah, Wonders.
0: Yeah, we, we, we talked about this. This is dumb. I, I, I tend to overthink these things. Not everything, but I, I, I like to think about like, so where, where did the Cave of Wonders come from? Why is it there? Well, I mean, obviously this is an Arabian night and it could, you know, just be a story thing, but I had, I had a fun, fun thought. The genie had masters before Aladdin, right? Yes. And before Aladdin, there were 10,000 years. It's been 10,000 years since he had his last master. What if? said the previous master of the genie created the cave as a means to protect the lamp.
1: I think, no, I think it's a more selfish reason. I Well, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to uh, make a ca- uh, an impenetrable cave with to, all these treasures. To protect my gold. To protect my gold, but also protect to protect all my, the
2: lamp. I would need to protect all my nonsense. And if anyone else touches my nonsense, drop a lava on them.
1: <laughs> Have
0: like, <laughs> everything
2: turned into it. At them.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, destroy yep. them.
0: Everything becomes magma. Everything magma.
1: Because that's the idea. No master asked him about, oh, what would you wish for? Do you want to be free? Like, they didn't never care about what the genie thought. Mm-hmm. I think it was more, well, the genie's in there and technically anybody can touch it. He was more focused, like, but these are my gold. This is my jewels. Anyone touches them will die. So based on that theory
0: though, why is Aladdin... The only person who was allowed to get, go into the cave without being destroyed by the cave. I
1: wonder if the third wish is like, uh, I don't want some, uh, maybe that's why it's like, why diamond in the rock? Maybe there isn't. Okay, maybe it's not a human. I don't know. It's a, it's a The theory. genie
0: could have had all kinds of masters who weren't human. Remember, he, he says to Aladdin, you're a lot smaller than my last master. Maybe his last mm. master was a Rakshasa or
1: something. <laughs> Now to, to explain
0: the tiger head.
1: Go into D&D territory. Hey, Rakshasas
2: are, are established mythology, man. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, they they that's something, and I'm, something I'll be doing throughout this episode is talking about the live-action version, because they do kind of play with that a little bit more in the live-action version, where one of the first things the genie says is like, where's the guy? Like, you're just the minion who's been sent to get the lamp, but there's always like a bigger guy. He's got a scout. Like, they kind of play with that idea of, you know
1: he's not as st- well. Again, diamond in the rep. Yeah, I made that song.
2: Um, good, good song.
1: Uh,
0: was that Ashman or Rice? No.
1: <laughs> actually, let's get into. Uh, it was
0: Riceman. Actually, it was Riceman. Yeah,
1: let's get into uh, one jump. By the way, catchy song.
0: Really? Well, yeah. A quick pause to go back to one jump. Yeah, so we can play.
1: Yeah, so we can
0: play. Guess, guess the Ashman.
1: Guess the Ashman. Yeah.
0: All right. So, so Ben, is this Ashman or Rice?
2: Uh, which one? Uh, one which jump?
1: jump. The oh. One-
2: one jump is definitely Ashman.
1: No, it's not. No, no, it's Tim Rice. Good God.
2: I know nothing. I'm
0: ignorant.
1: <laughs> no, it's hard. This
0: yeah, I, 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 Kayla was challenging me with this as we were going through.
1: Yeah, we were watching the movie and I was I like. I think I got
0: two out of three or something. I don't remember. Yeah,
1: he thought this was Ashman as well. And I'm like, no. And he's like, what? Because it's a very broad This way- feels very, it
0: feels, yeah, it feels Ashman-y.
1: He did write, so he did write a bunch of songs for this, by the way, Um, and uh, one of them was going to be Proud of Your Boy, which got later sung by Clay Aiken. I think it's in the Broadway version now. I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, But uh, that song is basically when they were going to have Aladdin's mom in the movie, but decided, uh, let's not do that. Oh, yeah. So that way uh, Princess Jasmine can have agency. And actually... uh, we can talk about Princess Jasmine, or do we? Is there more well, we want to talk about? I think about?
0: there's there's more. I wanna I wanna get on this diamond in the rough thing. Okay, go ahead. I feel like that's the thing. It's like you know, ev- evil recognizes evil. What if someone was like, hey, as a countermeasure to protect the lamp, only someone with this kind of spirit can go in there and get it.
1: What if you it, know? What if it's like someone who
0: would never use the lamp for selfish reasons? Because that way, the cave has a perfect security measure, and I. Or someone else who decides to use the lamp, but mostly me, I could just send someone in there. You know, it's again, someone like Jafar.
2: That's an interesting theory, but it is contradicted by two things. Firstly, Aladdin absolutely uses the lamp for selfish reasons. His first wish is make me cool so a girl will like me. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) And also, it contradicts your um, spoiled brat theory of where the Cave of Wonders comes from.
1: That's
0: true. Oh, that's true. Well, I'm saying like a selfish person who would make those wishes could still try to, as a security measure, make it so other people with selfish wish purposes don't go in there and get the lamp. What if he's
1: like... Wait, because like, what if what if the
0: treasure's just a booby trap? Like, it's not actually treasure; it's just a booby trap. What
1: if he says, "What if it's like, oh, you can't make it a foolproof thing, or you won't be able to go in there?" It's like then have it be have it like only one other per this type of person can get there. and Make it a and
0: then me, and then he died, and then ten thousand years passed. <laughs> he, they, I don't whatever. Know. I don't know. It's kind of look. It doesn't really matter because uh it's it's it's. Uh, It's a fictional magical universe. Mm. Could it just be the cave is just a test of wills created by Allah or something? I don't know.
1: But it's uh, the whole idea with Aladdin being the Diamond in the Rough, and it's specifically him. Because remember, Jafar actually uses like a device to see who is this Diamond in the Rough. Like he doesn't go to a rant, like doesn't like watch anything like, oh, that's clearly a Diamond in the Rough type of character. He actually uses a device, and it yeah. Shows. He has to get
0: the Sultan's ring, and then like use a lightning generator. Like it's interesting. By the way, do
1: we want to talk about Jafar?
0: We are yeah. We, I definitely want to talk about Jafar and Iago, but I don't. Oh man, there's so much. So all right, hold on. We'll get we'll get we'll get to them in just a second because oh, and obviously the the lamp Jafar knows about the lamp, and there was a clearly a mechanism to get into the Cave of Wonders because he had to get the scarab thing. So there's. I'm sorry. I, I'm. i There's way too much headcanon in my my head about this, but you know what? It, we could just we could just leave it. Honestly.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I
0: I just I just I just personally believe that this was a security measure gone awry by whoever was the last master of the genie. That's because, all. I
1: mean, Who I'm gonna
0: say in my head was a rakshasa, because I, why not? I
1: kind of want to <laughs> let me. I kind of want to discuss part because actually he's so surf- Oh, other than the peddler, he's our first major character that we see. That's true. We see Mm. him
2: before we see Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Is uh, this is a big question, and I'm not as you know immersed in Disney lore as you guys are, so maybe you guys can answer this question better. Is this the first Disney movie where the first character we actually see in the story proper? Not talking about like the the pre-story sequence with the peddler, but is this the first Disney movie where the first character we actually see in the story is the villain?
1: I, I'm going through my head right now, thinking. And I th-
0: yeah, it might be actually.
1: Yeah, I it, mean, because even with the Black Cauldron, we don't see him.
0: We don't see the Horned King for a while no, in the Black Cauldron.
1: I'm. Oh man, I'm going like in my yeah, head. I think it might be. I, I. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the big the big villains too. Same. Oh, before we get too much further in, I just, this, I have to remind you, there is no, sadly no plummet counter in this particular episode.
1: There is none, no. There
0: is no, yeah. yeah well, just- we'll talk about Jafar's comeuppance later, but it doesn't involve falling from a high precipice to his doom, so. That's the, it, it, it avoids the, the recurring trope of, uh, villains falling from a high thing to their death. Uh, Kayla is currently diligently looking up, uh, our, probably our whole library of everything we've covered so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going through it right now. I don't... I think, yeah, this might...
0: I think you're right, Ben. This might be the first one. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I also think it's interesting because um, one of the things... Jafar is, is such a one-note character in this film. He and so I, I is. Lo- I love the character, but he's his whole thing is, I want conquest. And by the way, the fact that he can make the wishes he can make also contradicts your theory from earlier that only selfless people can get access to I'm, the lamp. But, I'm
0: not saying selfless people can't use the lamp. I'm saying selfless uh, only... I'm not saying selfish people can't use a lamp. I'm saying only selfish okay. people only selfish people can enter the cave.
2: Gotcha.
1: Ben, Ben, you are correct. Yes, this is the first time that the villain introduces the story
2: <laughs> or starts
1: the story. Like, Interesting. As I'm going through it, I'm like, actually, yeah. Every other the villain usually gets introduced like later in, like as a obstacle mm-hmm. for the character. Like we kind of. Um, we usually start like oh we get to know our main character and who they are as a person and then we realize oh there's the villain who turns out to yeah. be the obstacle this is the first time where we're realizing oh no th- what's happening is kind of hinging on the fact that this villain is searching for an item to make him powerful and that's it like his idea this is so Jafar is a vizier to the sultan and he's kind of and i i think this is based off what i'm seeing jafar is kind of ruling agrabah from the um behind the curtain and it's just kind of manipulating the sultan mm-hmm, so you got mm-hmm. the because the sultan is just this bumbling character who is just doing his own thing or is just like oh i'm just being run, al- run, al-
0: run along and play with your toys is a very yeah, this is, is a very he distinctive still plays line with toys about and- the maturity of the sultan.
1: And also Jafar has a item, this uh stick, this... uh The staff, the cobra staff? This cobra staff that he uses to uh, con- like control him by looking into mm. his eyes. And I feel like, oh, I can just do that and have the sultan do what I want. And that actually... I, again, it's not overly told, but I feel like he's been doing this, and this is probably why this Agrabah is basically in poverty. And it. You know, <laughs> Aladdin says has said, like, oh, it's it's rough out here, it's not easy to live. I can the only way I can eat is to steal. And mm-hmm. that's the only reason why he does it. Um is stealing. is he can't afford it. He, he there's no real way to make a living unless you want to just be a vendor, apparently. Fresh fish. Yeah, that's actually I feel like that's all the whole agribus system is just powered by merchants. There's no It's it's
0: it's a Sultanate, so yeah.
1: And there is a uh, there also is a um, oh my goodness, what are they called? A what? Because remember, he this, this... he enters a room with a bunch of women, and... It's... Oh, oh, uh, a brothel. Yes, there's a brothel. <laughs> women <laughs> make their living... Excuse me. Bless you. Women are making their living as a brothel with a madam. Like, there's this... This is a... Agrabah is harsh, and even that's what the song... Um,
0: It's flat and
2: immense, and the heat it is, is intense.
1: intense. It's barbaric.
2: But hey... We're just going to keep coming back to that, huh? Yep. Um So when they when they decided to revisit this for for live action for the live action remake, they actually did a really good job. I thought of making Iaga making it, really, it actually did a really good job. I thought of making Jafar's character motivated by something like it wasn't just I want to rule Agrabah. It's his background is not dissimilar from aladdin's like he they, he kind of mentions that he also grew up on the street and bonds a little bit with aladdin over that that kind of shared history Interesting. um uh the only difference is it's kind of a professor x magneto kind of divide where <laughs> um uh jafar's approach is well you have to, if you have when you have nothing you have to do whatever you can to seize everything and aladdin's approach is more i just want to bang this hot chick i met one time <laughs>
0: That that's, sounds about right. <laughs> You're right about him being kind of one-note though in this. I mean, it doesn't make him any less a delightful villain to watch, but He
1: is very um He just
0: it, wants power. That's like he's he too. is the quintessential megaloma- megalomaniac. He is basically. It does make the moments when Jafar laughs like a maniac all and the more And that's interesting. actually
1: what makes it work. Like as soon as he gets power, he gets crazier and crazier mm. and like he's got e- getting like evil laughter out and he's like his eyes are going wild and just Yep. Like his voice gets more and more screechy and Yep. By the way, props to Jonathan Freeman, who is the voice actor for that, Yeah. yeah nailed it. Dang. Um I think you did a good job part. Yeah. Uh but Gilbert Godfrey. I mean Yago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's there's Well
1: they no, it is actually I read it in the book and this is like, you can obviously see it. Like, once they heard, oh, Gilbert Godfrey is gonna play Yago, they made Yago look like Gilbert Godfrey. He it's yeah. basically Gilbert Godfrey as a bird.
0: That's not that surprising, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Gilbert Gottfried and he's a bird. He's He's a lively <laughs> parrot.
1: Yeah. Uh there, there actually is a bit Pining
0: for the Fjords.
1: And he I mean he doesn't improvise as much as uh, Robin Williams does. But, um, there is a point where Gilbert Godfrey, or sorry, Yago, I I, 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 that wasn't intentional, sorry, <laughs> that really wasn't. Okay. Uh, there's a part where, like, uh, they've been caught, Jafar and Yago have been caught, and the Yago's like, we gotta get out of here, we gotta leave, we gotta skip town, and he's going through, uh, this, and then he's like, uh, and uh, how about this picture? I don't know, I don't think, <laughs> I'm making a weird face in this. <laughs> Apparently, Robin Williams heard that and started busting up laughing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but that was improvised by Gilbert Gottfried. That's
0: great. I like that.
1: <laughs> How about this picture? How about I, this, this picture? picture? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, most well, interesting though. I I I do um now as was established earlier, Kayla and I haven't seen the the new the like remake of Aladdin. So it's always curious to know like what they've done in the live action version to like differentiate yeah. it a little bit cuz I always feel like they're trying to expand on the um, they try well, to find a little places to expand on that narrative, and you even said yeah. earlier that it's it's partially just to explore certain criticisms that are leveled against like stuff like this, you know. Yeah, and, uh,
2: and Aladdin is Aladdin is as guilty of that as as you know Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella and uh, Maleficent were, but um, there is and the Jungle Book where they they changed um, uh, I want to be like you, they changed the the an ape like me line to make it more scientifically accurate, which is weird. But, um, for Aladdin, uh, I feel like there are a lot of changes that they made where I, I, am surprised by how smart the choices were. They made a lot of smart choices. I don't always think they were executed perfectly. Mm -hmm. And, but again, I don't know how much of that is. I don't think they did. They executed on the, on the idea in a way that worked. Or how much of it is Aladdin is one of like my top three favorite Disney movies of all time, and it's difficult to separate. Like because I'm one of those people that there is there is this prevailing idea in culture right now that if it is a remake, it is bad by default. But we have so many reboot reboots and remakes and revivals of projects that contradict that that idea, like Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, The Fly, The Thing, Scarface, like movies that we acknowledge to be really good films or that or that are, you know, franchises and stories that are accepted by the masses to be really, really good, but that owe their existence to the fact that they are reboots, remakes, or revivals of something that came before. Mm-hmm. So my inst- my my philosophy is not remakes are bad. My philosophy is a remake is just us humanity doing what it has always done, which is retelling stories. We've been doing that since the beginning. Aladdin is in and of itself a retelling of a story. Mm -hmm. It makes, uh, I don't have a problem with Disney going back and saying, we're going to retell this story again. My problem is, is the creative team up to the task of, telling that story. And I think for the most part, yeah, actually, I think the cast worked really well. I think that when it comes to the genie, you can't recreate Robin Williams performance. There's no person on this planet who could do that version of the genie. Mm -hmm. So the solution is don't have someone else do their take. And, and, and Will Smith to his credit does a really good job. Like Will Smith's genie is an interesting character and he's not trying to be Robin Williams genie ever. At uh, no point in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think the the difficult thing going for um, Disney right now is the fact that they have to balance what is a better, what is a retelling of this that's a that is its own thing, but we still kind of have to have a little bit of fan service for those who grew up with the original animated film, and that it is a typical that is a typical thing to balance. Like yeah. I um. We talked about um, Beauty and the Beast and, uh, like, the animated version versus the new one. And um, I absolutely adore the animated version. Like, I I mentioned it's my favorite film. I cried when I rewatched it. Uh, But, um, and I saw the live action in theaters because I'm like, okay. And I did get all of the Disney feels. I did get all of those. The movie is okay. I'm not, it's, there's a lot of parts that are problematic in a way. Just in a filmmaking standpoint, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just uh, some of the way that it's filmed was really cool.
0: I'm with you because we saw it together.
1: Yeah. But, um, it does give the Disney feels, though. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little too close for comfort. And then they added some parts just to be like, but this course corrects what was in the original. And it, it's like, if you're going to redo Beauty and the Beast, make it its own thing. Because technically, the, The Disney Beauty and the Beast, the animated one, um, is actually a retelling of another film, uh, John Cocteau's La Belle and Labette. Mm -hmm. They take a lot of reference from that. like Mm -hmm. A lot of things that La Belle and Bette did, like having a villain and putting it in a castle where the items move and such. That comes from that film and not the original. And actually, um, Beast looks a lot like the Beast from La Belle and Labette. So, but it's still its own thing. So it's still, a, it's a retelling, again, the idea, tale mm-hmm. as old as time, but it's, an- and this is,
0: a, th- and this, this, I mean, co- coming back to Aladdin, is another Arabian night.
1: Yes. Um, I feel like with, I'm looking more forward to Mulan, uh, remake, and the reason for this is, um, uh, because a lot of people are completely like, but where's Mushu? <laughs> Where, what about the songs? This is,
0: uh, <laughs> this is what I want a remake to be.
1: No, and like, I, well,
0: ideally if it all goes well. Well, the
1: reason why I think the route they're going from what I'm ga- gathering by the trailer, maybe I'm wrong, but it's going the Wuxia route and I like that. That is a brilliant idea to do. Like if you're going to do Mulong, go the Wuxia route. Like um I I'm a huge fan of um, Hong Kong action films. Mhm. And I want this film to feel like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. I would love this film to feel like Come Drink With Me. Like, those type of films. Yeah. This is the perfect setting for this, and the fact that Disney is going that route would be amazing. Like, as a retelling of Mulan, it becomes its own thing. hmm Like, it's telling like the same story, but it's becoming its own thing, and I would love for that to be that case, and that would be a good way to adapt it without feeling mm. like fan service. Yep. And oh, there were problems in Mulan. We have to course correct <laughs> Um
0: That said, this is don't get me wrong. This is a great tangent. And I love where this is going. But sorry, let's, sorry. Let's, let's roll back to to the to the animated Aladdin real quick. Yeah,
1: I know. That's, right. it, here's the thing about this Aladdin. This isn't it, again the things that make this film great is the is is Robin Williams, the songs, and well the relationships between Aladdin. With Aladdin and Jasmine, Aladdin and I need to bring this up. We are not going the normal route right now. Oh, no, I know this. Normally, we would go in depth with the, throughout the film, like step by step. And we realized that's not going to work here because maybe it's—I don't know—it's not a bad story. It's just no,
0: it's not a bad story. It's just that I think because it's a car- it's more cartoony. Yeah, it's more—it's a little more slapsticky, and it's and it, and you know the the heart is different. Like Beauty and the Beast has a has a more
1: has a rich complex has story. a very
0: rich has a very rich story and not that Aladdin doesn't but the composition of the story I think this kind of like when we when we were doing the rescuers the rescuers down under um the composition of this I think lends itself better to like just looking at different points of the movie that stand out as opposed to like going scene by scene by scene you know what I mean mm-hmm. so um I'm honestly fine doing it this way too I um. think it it let this kind of movie lends itself better to that kind of discussion because it is more Lighthearted, It is more of a feel-good. It doesn't have the same sort of, like... I'm not saying that the others weren't. It's just that this this particular movie is more, for lack of a better word, fun? Yes. It's a little more whimsical.
1: It's a very whimsy movie. It's very movie.
0: whimsical.
1: Um, actually, uh, should we bring up Jasmine? Actually, I really can... want
0: to talk about Jasmine. I would love to talk about
2: da- Jasmine. Would you love to talk about Jasmine? Jasmine's great. I love <laughs> Jasmine so much. But my favorite thing about Jasmine is that... Uh, for a Disney for for a Disney princess in the early 90s not only firstly person of color fantastic mm-hmm. um, but as well as that she's very fit she's fiercely independent like she is a person who she doesn't want to be beholden to um you know this this very antiquated idea of all well, these in order for two kingdoms to prosper, one of their princes has to marry one of our princesses. and she's very much adamantly against that from the beginning. So it always kind of tickled me when people look at the remake. Uh, I don't know I keep coming back to the remake, but having seen it very you recently, it's very recently. fresh and well I saw both of them recently. it's just I remember the remake <laughs> because I was off my face on uh, on, <laughs> That's on, on right. pain medication having had my wisdom teeth pulled out when I saw the animated one most recently, but they really kind of play up um, uh, that aspect of Jasmine in the remake, and that led to some people saying, well, well, they've made an SJW version of Jasmine, but if you watch the original, she's so that person. Mm -hmm. They just kind of crank it up a little bit in the remake, and that's one of the things I think that really sets Jasmine apart from a lot of other um, Disney princesses. I, I would say between Belle and... Um, and Jasmine. Belle and Jasmine kind of really broke the mold for what a Disney princess was. Because before, really, a lot of Disney princesses were just kind of peril monkeys.
1: Uh that's not I don't think that's the case with uh Ariel. I think Ariel was the one who started that, but I feel like uh Belle and Jasmine progressed that. Hmm. We do like I, I, I like Dave and I watched The Little Mermaid uh recently and while watching it we realized Ariel is very it's definitely a character that actually, tr- does, like, is a very stubborn character. Yeah. And that's the one thing about all the these three Disney princesses in the late 80s, early 90s. They're very stubborn, and they're trying to go against that whole mold of, I have to be...
0: This is how a woman... Or this is how a, a princess, or this is how royalty, or this is even how like a society person is supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I, and we discussed it in the library. But with Ariel, for her, it was she did it because of a passion she had. Mm. Less, and it it's based. The whole prince thing was just a like that's it. I'm doing this. No, actually, sorry. It was a catalyst. Then her dad basically destroying everything became the catalyst. Like that's it. I'm done. Dude, Everything I
0: want is here. Everything here seems good. Everything sucks here, so I'm gonna do this thing.
1: Yeah. And then
0: Belle is just like, this place is boring and and I, odd and antiquated. I want a be- uh, something more out there. And then she does some cool stuff and has agency and um, ends up ge- ends up becoming a princess by the end of it. Uh,
1: uh, uh, Jasmine is someone that she ha- she feels this way because I mean, she said over and over it people tell you where to go how to dress she they she is not allowed to think for herself ever like every decision is made for her mm-hmm. she's basically a prisoner in her own home it's like nope this is the food you eat this is the clothes you're going to wear sorry
0: you've never she's never Your she establishes in the movie that she's way. never even left the palace in her entire life which is not that weird cuz the palace is as big as the entire city of agrabah <laughs> so
1: but At the same time, it's like, no, you are you have to do this. You're a princess. You have to do this. You know
0: what's fascinating about that, though? I don't even think the sultan entirely understands why he does that. Like, he's just like, but but it's just because it's the law. And it's not until the end of the movie that he's like, well, I'm going to change the law. But he's like, he's such a stickler for tradition without knowing why. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he's just like, no, this is just the way things are. You need to behave like the way things are. And like she doesn't want to and i'm like cool okay awesome um i i really i think the thing that i like a lot about jasmine is she she goes for it mm-hmm. and a lot of my favorite moments are actually when she interacts with aladdin because i like they the have good instant- chemistry i like the the, the moment when they meet in the market and they start improvising off each other in order to get out of that situation mm. with the stolen oh, God, apple yeah. I love that scene. I love the way that they play off each other. That scene is so funny and the way that they
1: Oh yeah, she has no problem going up to the camel and he's <laughs> she's like, Oh hello doctor, how are you? <laughs> like no, That's you,
0: not the doctor with the crazed
1: eyes too. Like she has no problems doing things silly and going off of it and they d- again, they d- she
0: she shows it again later when she has to quote, unquote, seduce Jafar in order to distract him, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> that's bold that is bold, <laughs> but another thing too, is the way they like look at each other and um even the way with like later on, when they're more established as a couple, how they touch each other and like who are holding hands and stuff like that, like this is clearly a couple that genuine and like has feelings for each other, yeah. like, I have when so like when they say oh I I love her I'm like I believe you Mm -hmm. I actually I mean you're probably a stupid teenager who thinks you're in love with her but I believe you it's not just like I love her because I saw her it's more I think you
2: there's there's an actual human connection
1: there is a human connection
0: yes and that's important because I think that some people some people gloss that over with like other movies as other Disney movies as well but it's definitely apparent here that yeah. there's a connect there's an instant connection between them that's established when they meet in the marketplace and um um i actually here, here's here's a question i want to i want to pose to you all there's the whole thing about aladdin not telling jasmine the truth about who he is yeah even when she figures it out he has to stick with the lie how much do you think does he doesn't realize that if he told her the truth this really
2: really would have resolved everything pretty quickly right yes it's, it's fear. Like you, it's like.
1: As someone with social that, anxiety, I get it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I get, I, yeah, I absolutely understand that. It's like telling someone something in a moment that you think, yeah, this is, this will just be funny and cool. And then people believe it. And then you're, you don't want, it's easy. You know, months, years down the line, you're like, I lied to those people back then, mm-hmm. but I don't want to ruin what I have now. And that, that, and that's, that's messed up and that can lead to some messed up choices. And, and I, I think that's one of my favorite things about this version, the Disney version of Aladdin over the kind of the traditional story of Aladdin, which is boy gets everything, loses everything, gets it back again. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the spine of this story is not about him getting everything back again. It is about him learning to be true to himself.
1: Cause that's the idea. He, he is not happy with himself. He is yeah. not happy with the fact that he is a, uh, basically is a street rat quote unquote. Yeah.
0: You were born a street rat, you will die a street rat, and only your fleas will mourn you. I
1: mean, that's what he's been told throughout his life, like, you're poor. Um, genie comes in, and actually we get introduced to the genie through song. Uh, actually, by the way, uh, Friend Like Me, best song ever in this whole song. At least I love it. Best. That's my favorite song. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ashman or Rice?
2: I burped, so it's an Ashman.
1: You are correct, sir. Yeah.
2: Ding 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 ding.
1: So, uh, yes, uh, this is an Ashman song, and it's oh, man.
0: it's so good.
1: It is so good. We were, We
0: have. It's we do so have to. Catchy. We do have to mention each of the songs at least once, even if we are kind of bouncing all over the place.
1: Yeah, and then this leads to basically um, uh, Aladdin making his first wish, like you said, uh, wants wants to impress a hot girl, uh, <laughs> which, Ali. Is, uh, which is which is. I'm going to be a prince. And then when he gets introduced as a prince, they go all out. Mm-hmm. Like, dang.
0: <laughs> uh, Rice or
2: Ashman?
1: For Prince Ali. Rice. No, Ashman.
2: Ah! <laughs> I'm one for four right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what? I was thinking Ashman, but I thought I'm going to say Rice because I bet it's Rice.
1: No, it's Ashman. Here, Ashman did all of the genie songs.
2: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. That includes
0: but Arabian Night, which is technically the genie. <laughs>
1: Prince Ali is also a really good song too. I that, do like Prince Ali. That's definitely a Broadway song. <laughs> like both, both. Uh, uh, no, you know what? Friend like me is more of a jazzy song, but Prince <laughs> Ali is the uh, is totally a Broadway song. This is like bring out all like th- this is like put on a show. Let's do this. We are showcasing our stuff, and that's why it's also. Usually during the Broadway, like the Broadway version of Aladdin or of the live version of Aladdin, it's one of those like, "Whoa, this is a spectacle!" This is when
0: the big elephant prop comes out on stage. Yes, who is vo- also voiced by Frank Welker.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh,
0: so yeah, we get the whole Ali thing established, so that leads to the whole.
1: Then this leads to the final chemistry, which is uh, that leads to the chemistry between Aladdin and Jasmine when he's trying to figure out. Um, should I tell her the truth? Which begs the question. He wished to be a prince. Why isn't he just a prince? Why is it just a spectacle?
0: Yeah, isn't the phenomenal cosmicness of the voice like, Jeannie, I wish you to make me a prince. Is he now actually a prince or is he only a sham? Is he only, is he not really a prince? I get the establishment that he's not actually a prince, which doesn't make sense because he wished to be a prince. So- Hello.
2: It's me, your good friend. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, don't worry about it. It's just uh, for a good time and part of the story. Why do I sound a little bit like Mario? Oh, you'll never find out. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Oh, Mario. <laughs> oh, Mario. Mario.
1: Okay, okay. Mario. But, but, and then also Mario. That, that whole conversation between him and Jasmine, it's, look... As someone who's been in high school and uh, tried, to
2: all right, d- d- way to brag <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I went to high school.
2: Yeah, All right, Don't don't lord it above us that you had a you had a an education.
1: <laughs> Some of
2: us have to stay one jump ahead of the breadline,
0: one swing ahead of the sword.
1: I'm sorry, David. I know you didn't go to high school.
0: Uh, look, I, look, I steal only what I can afford, and that's everything. <laughs> uh- but but, Kayla, do you trust me?
1: Oh God, no! <laughs> Don't look at me with those eyes. Those horrible <laughs> eyes.
0: That yeah. is a good moment, though. That that repeated beat of you know, do you trust me?
1: Mm-hmm. By the way, I like the fact he's like trying. So before we begin that that whole scene where he's trying to like get her, um, uh like trying to get her to trust, or trying to get him her to like him. Uh, and he's just trying to act all look at uh, I'm a prince. Uh, yes, I'm great, and she's totally seeing through it. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just like, uh, no, you, you really don't get it, do you? Um, she
0: liked the boy from the market, not this. That's the whole point.
1: Exactly. Because he was being himself then. Right. And then, yes, it does lead to uh, A Whole New World, which is the song that won the Academy Award. And it makes it, sense. And it is beautiful. The um, and
2: they dooted is- really, A Whole New World for the remake because they don't fly around the world. They fly around Agrabah a little bit. I, but I
1: like
0: it when they fly around the
2: world.
1: Yeah. This is, this is like, has that sort of feel that, um, similar to, uh, in a rescuers down under with the eagle. It's just this oh, whimsical, a little more whimsical and cartoony. Don't get me wrong, but it's still like the, Oh my gosh, they're flying. And this is so romantic. And oh, my ship is coming in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, c- they almost bump into Hercules.
1: I know. <laughs> this, is, this is a beautiful song. I'm, this is a beautiful love song. I, I
0: want to do, I, I kind of want to play Ashman or Rice here. But the problem is we we have all the Ashman songs have been covered now. So we're yeah, gonna- so it's Rice. I win. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there you go. This is great. Um, And I see you know, the, the moment when they're sitting on the palace roof. This is where I started thinking about it. Because like she figures it out. And yes. she's like, why did you lie to me? And he's like, well, because I think he, he continues to stick with the lie. At this moment it would have been so nice but it definitely would have alleviated um it would have been, definitely been, would have been one of those I'm short one of those people movie. who thinks that the
1: been a short movie.
0: Yeah, but you but, but it it kind of the fact that she doesn't care, you think he would see that she doesn't care. So the fact that um when Jafar's like it's Aladdin, it was always Aladdin. You think Jafar, J- Jasmine would just be like, "Yeah, I know." later on because he mm. she still figured it out. It, but they still treat it's, it like it's a big reveal.
1: It's not that big of a reveal in the end, let's be honest but, here. but
0: they do. Yeah. It's strange, because
1: but the, the, it, it a lot of it. This is kind of I don't want to say poorly done, but it is sort of poorly done. Like if it weren't for the fact Jafar got the lamp, we wouldn't be here. That there would be there the lie reveal would be a, a bigger can, deal, and it really wasn't.
0: Okay, like can you remind me how Jafar figured out? Oh no, he, uh,
1: no, because there was a point where he was walking, and Aladdin keeps the lamp in his hat. His hat was attached to his belt. He looked down, and then. He could see the lamp peeking. Oh,
0: okay, and that's when he makes it too. It's like, oh yeah, this is the same kid who was in the cave that I thought died. But yeah, Jafar, can... master of disguise.
1: Yes, <laughs> Jafar, master of disguise. Well, he, he his his old man
0: disguise earlier was pretty cool. Oh yeah, that it was, was a good. pretty good disguise. Anyway, um, I don't know. I'm just saying. Like all that said, I, I do appreciate even after everything's revealed that um, you know Jasmine is really forgiving of the whole thing and just like, look, it's just. Like, I get it, kind of, you know? Like, yeah. the whole two different worlds thing.
1: And I think that's what's... Maybe that's what scared him, is that if it get Because that is the rule. Only a prince can marry a princess. If it gets revealed that he is just a street rap, I don't think... It's less she will care. It's more that...
2: I think it's 50-50. I do think there's an element of, well, if I turn out to just be a garbage boy, is what... Will she still like me? And I think that... I think... There's a difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something emotionally. I think, like, intellectually, you can believe, yeah, you know what, I think they would still like me for me because I am, you know, I'm still fundamentally the same person. But emotionally, that fear of, but what if, but what if, but what if, that that can change your... You're, you know, it can, it can, it can, it can send you into a spiral that makes you make some ah, poor decisions. Like I don't know, using a wish to manipulate a woman into falling in love with a version of you that doesn't exist, <laughs> just off the top of my head.
1: That's true. That is true. Because uh, here's the thing: that he, his two wishes are, uh, well, the first wish is to be a prince. That's the actual legit one that he makes. The second one was, well. The genie kind of made it for him because he was about to die because he got thrown in the river or water. No, oh yeah, they are by an ocean.
0: They're not far from the. They must be on a peninsula. They must be on a like a part of or the peninsula. Or they're whatever. not far the from Arabian water. Arabian
1: They are not far from water though. Yeah, yeah
0: they're fresh fish. Now it makes sense. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he gets thrown things. In-
0: David cares about way too much. The podcast. Um.
1: Yeah, he was thrown into water, was gonna basically drown. So it's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to make this wish for you, cause you're gonna die. Uh, <laughs> so, and that basically, there's just this moment of he messed up. And I think this is what I do like about Aladdin. I know this sounds bad, but hear me out on this. So there is a point where he's like, I'm scared. She's not gonna like me. And I, I'm gonna lose everything. everything. If I'm, if I'm not a prince. I'm going to have to go back on my promise of freeing you on my third wish.
0: Because I might need that wish in the can, right?
1: Yeah, if something happens. And it is a moment of weakness, but we all do have that. We're not perfect people. Well, it's,
0: what I, makes, it's what makes him a more... It, it drives the plot It makes him a more interesting character for having flaws. I mean... And
1: then even then, after like their argument and all that, there's that point where he's like, he's like, he's right, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm just being stupid here. I need to... Like... And we do it have that. We have moments of like, we, if we panic, we fear, we, we worry. And then it's like, this could cause problems. But then it's like, after some time, it's like, Oh God, what are we, what was I doing? And it's like, that's a human re- reaction. That's a human yep. moment. And I do like that. And it, it does progress the drama forward. Let's be honest mm-hmm. here.
0: So. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I think I like, I just like the way that the, the, I really enjoy the chemistry between Jasmine and Aladdin. I think they're great characters independently, and I think they work really well together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's showcased very well in the climax. And I I think the climax of this movie is amazing.
1: Oh, you mean when, like, uh... You know,
0: Jafar becomes an all-powerful sorcerer. He sends Aladdin to the North Pole, and Aladdin's able to escape, and then he comes back, and there's a fight, and... He turns a- into
1: a snake and it's it, again he
0: he he turns into a cobra, Jasmine gets stuck in an hourglass. So yeah, no this is a this is great. I think this is the part that made me want to young David and probably young Ben here want to act out big chunks of this cuz this climax mm. is so, mm, so good.
1: <laughs> no, it's a great climax. This is an action-packed climax. Like this is like fight and silliness and Oh, good stuff. And then, uh, also, uh, the fact that the r- way that, uh, Jabari gets defeated is based on Aladdin's cleverness. And it's been shown over and over. Aladdin is a very clever guy. He's good at tricking people. hmm Like, he- this th- this is established when he tricks Genie into mm-hmm. letting him, like, freeing them from, uh, being trapped in, you know, the, uh, uh...
0: The cave? Thank you. In oh, the Cave of Wonders? Yes. Yeah. I, and again, I want to I want to point this out now, too. There's there's little moments where, where he and Jasmine are like without even talking. They're like, yeah, do this thing and I'll, I'll improvise and we'll get our way out of this situation. Yeah. So it's a nice buildup of what's happened before. So they're able to, like, back each other up. Uh, Aladdin uh, has that idea about making Jafar, tricking Jafar into wishing to be a genie and, ki- mm-hmm. and in come the genie rules.
1: Yep. Itty bitty living space. I, so oh good. God. And uh, the animation
0: on that cobra, like when he transforms into the cobra, all that like were, I hope the animators were having a good time with this because man that looks good. All the oh, yeah. all the magic stuff looks really good. Like, it's really well Caps animated. is
1: used very wisely here.
0: Yes. And I we didn't I don't know if we really talked about this earlier but like the color palette of this movie is really striking. Like oh, yeah. the stark contrast between the blues and the reds, the golds and the way that those moods affect different scenes. It's I, I remember and I love the backgrounds of this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Like everything here is very, um, uh, very fitting for the setting, oh, yeah. and really pulls you into the like mythicalness of this story. So. It
1: does the same thing that Beauty and the Beast does: blue equals good, red equals bad. It yeah. becomes a theme uh, as we continue through, mm-hmm. t- as well,
0: blue so. genie versus red genie at yeah, the end, exactly. basically.
2: Isn't that, wasn't that uh, also part of one of the the animated Beatles movies? Oh, the Blue Meanies. Oh, I got it mixed up. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, (laughs) they're they're the opposite there. But then again, it was blue versus yellow because that was yellow submarine.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think one of the interesting things, again, as we come to the climax in the... I'm going to... Massive spoiler alert for people who have not seen the live-action one yet. Oh, no. (laughs) They tweak the ending just a little bit. They don't have Jafar wish to be uh, a genie, specifically. They wish for him to be the most powerful creature in the universe. Which allows the genie to do a callback um, to uh, there was a wish that was made earlier that Aladdin made earlier um, where there's a lot of great there's a lot of grace there's a lot of gray area in that wish which he then u- and he uses the gray area of I want to be the most powerful thing in the universe to make Jafar a a genie.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. okay. Okay.
2: Which actually again didn't hate it. Yeah,
0: that, no, that makes sense. You can, that's one way to tweak it a little bit. It's not that yeah. I don't think that the call for him to want to be a genie is nonsensical. But again, he, also, he doesn't.
1: It has been shown he's going a little as we continue through. He's literally mad with power. He is. Yeah. And it's like, this is a man that is completely driven by power. Like, that is, as soon as he gets it, he wants more and more and more. I mean, let's be honest. His original goal was just to become Sultan. And then after that, it was like, nope, not enough.
0: <laughs> Why stop there?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, By the way, after he's defeated, the sweet moment of genie, you're free. Really, uh, it is a very touching moment. Yeah. Maybe it's also because of the fact now Robin Williams has passed away, and it just makes the moment (sighs) a little sadder. But
0: oh no! I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh no, that's fine. But just the context of it just hit me. I'm like, oh no. (sighs)
1: <sighs> yeah oh it, man but, it, but it's still a beautiful scene it's still lovely and it does like genie does seem very appreciative and it's a,
0: it's a really touching moment it is it's a good culmination he he put his faith in in, in al and al w- ultimately was was the diamond in the rough he was the true the true worth lie lay within
1: and that whole thing about uh oh the problem about the fact that jasmine can only marry a prince
0: Eh. <laughs> oh, the sultan just decides to hand wave it in that moment eh. Eh, who cares i'm changing the law i'm the sultan i can do whatever i want and you know that's probably good for the sultan too because now he doesn't have jafar hovering over him telling you no it must be this way no it's how how long has it been since the sultan has made an independent decision as the sultan
1: who knows it's
0: been 84 years <laughs>
1: <laughs> um as a whole No, the movie is really good. This movie is a very sweet movie. It's a um, very, it's a different tone from what we've been accustomed to before in the past. With the last couple, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, especially from the 80s. Are you kidding me? It's a lot more cartoonier. It's sillier, but it still works. And it's a fun movie. And it's just a show of more things to come as we go through the Disney renaissance. So,
0: yes. Uh, Any final thoughts about the, the movie as a whole?
2: Uh, there, there are, it's, this is kind of, this is arguably the beginning of the end of the traditional Disney movie for two reasons. Number one, you have the, the inclusion of Robin Williams and the star power associated with Robin, associated Not with true. Robin Williams. The,
1: the, well, there's, there's other movies that do this too, but go on.
2: Okay. But I, I mean, there's, there are points that I'm specifically drilling towards. Like there are, there are a lot of like media analysts who have specifically cited Robin Williams casting in Aladdin and the way that again, the marketing was handled as being the kind of the beginning of the end end of the way that these movies were traditionally cast with you know voice actors and and right. after this after this point like the early 90s there's a real transition away from hiring voice actors towards hiring names that will get bums in seats that's that's and,
0: that's true that and the true.
2: other thing is i would say that the between aladdin and and beauty and the beast there's a real shift away from uh, I say a real shift, but there's the beginnings of a shift away from what we associate with a traditional Disney movie, you know, things like beauty and the beast and uh, not beauty and the beast, things like uh, sleeping beauty and uh, snow white. More, and we begin, we begin that kind of slow slide towards the kind of more boys adventure star movies that ends, you know, takes us into, you know, tangled for uh, t- tangled territory and uh, kind of a little bit with, with frozen, although frozen is still able to kind of maintain some of that, that musical whimsy. Um, but this is, I, I would say that the, the double whammy success of, uh, of beauty and the beast and, uh, and Aladdin is kind of where you start to see, or, see a real shift in the way that Disney makes their movies. And this is perhaps most apparent in, um, the, in the emperor's new groove and the entire production of that movie. Um, and the kind of the way that everything, again, uh, it suffered a very similar fate to Aladdin that everything had got scrapped and started again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end result is much more, you know, hinged upon that kind of chaotic Robin Williams style energy and also this kind of, you know, buddy road trip uh, adventure film. And I would say that even when Disney does try to do something in the vein of an old, old school Disney movie like uh, Frozen, uh, they, they still hew close to that kind of You know what? What I know, having worked at Disney, is referred to internally as that boys' adventure format. Like that's that's where Disney lives now. They, Mm -hmm. you know, we we. I I think it's going to be a long time before we see an animated Disney movie with the kind of energy of, you know, the bulk of you know of things like you know the Little Mermaid and uh, and Sleeping Beauty and so on. I think that kind of film just it's never going to exist again. Disney doesn't make that kind of film anymore, and I think that starts with. Bits of Beauty and the Beast, but mostly here with Aladdin.
0: Well, I mean I think I think you're on I think you're onto something for sure. Cause like I I wonder if if the format has just shifted more because maybe they they <laughs> recognize that the adventure aspect is a little more I mean, look at the look at the rescuers down under.
1: Well, after the I think it becomes a little more apparent after Lion King. Because oh, the, yeah. you gotta realize after the next movie after this is the Lion King.
0: That's right.
2: Okay. And yeah.
1: then uh but at this point there were two movies in, in the midst. It was Pocahontas and Lion King. And everyone, all, the whole team of anim, like Disney animation was pinging our, their bets on Pocahontas. They thought this was going to be the star power or a Lion King was going to be the like, eh, B movie that's going to do okay. Mm. And of course that was not the case at all. And <laughs> Pocahontas is definitely more a Disney princess, n- not so adventurous type movie.
2: I, I would argue, in fact, that Pocahontas is probably the last, quote-unquote, traditional Disney movie in that mold.
1: Uh, close. I, I, after that, we do get... Well, okay, after that is Hercules. and oh, mm-hmm. No, 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 sorry, not Hercules. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hercules, Mulan, and then Tarzan. And then we shift into the next generation of movies. But yeah, in terms of like the Disney princess mold, sort of uh, focus on the female... I th- well Milan sort of is like well, that. but that is more well, I'm not journey.
2: referring specifically to a focus on a female character I'm talking like Milan obviously focuses on on the titular character but that film also has
1: is more like, adventure packed. It is it's definitely. It's much
2: more adventure, and also the, like, one of the things that people forget when they talk about Mulan, that film is um, is only a musical for the first the first half of that music movie is Disney musical, and the second half of that movie is oh dang, there's a war happening, we can't <laughs> sing anymore, and they yes. stop.
1: <laughs> that is true. Come
2: okay. to think of it, oh man, I'm I got a big
0: pin I'm gonna put in Mulan when we talk about it way later, but you just reminded me of something, so I'm gonna save that for when okay. we talk about okay. Mulan.
1: But yeah, I think this. I was- just had
0: an epiphany. Holy.
1: But I think, yeah, I think it was the Lion King-Pocahontas shift. Again, Walt Disney Animation Studios, the executive was like, Pocahontas is going to do well, Lion King is not going to do as great. Later on, that discovers that's not the case at all. And I think (laughs) that does become the shift. But I think maybe Aladdin is that last, like, hmm.
0: You could, either way, there is a paradigm. I mean, there was already a paradigm shift before this in the studio. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be another one coming. But, uh, right now you can see the way things you, you, we are, it's been so fascinating doing this podcast because uh, in watching these and really looking into them with, with, um, with Kayla, we've seen the evolution of the medium. We've seen the way the styles have changed. We've seen the way that the, the, the movies are done have changed. And it's been really, really interesting. And there's a distinct tone and vibe and style to these kind of movies that's going to change, uh, coming up here in not too long, even, even. I yeah. mean, just even just the way that the films are animated, the way they're colored by this point, we're, like you said, we're using the cap system, uh, for how it's animated. And I'm like, and you can see that difference. Mm-hmm, you can yeah. see that difference as, as early as the, the rescuers down under. Yeah. And I just, I just think that I'm honestly at this point, I'm just in it for the journey and I'm going to, uh, draw a lot of my own conclusions as I go forward. But I think, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that, to see yeah. when it really shifts, and I think. And there is, is a there is one other point.
2: thing as well because I know earlier we were talking about is this the first Disney <laughs> movie? Is this the only Disney movie that opens on the villain's point of view rather than the hero's point of view? Mm-hmm. And there is one other actually. I've just uh, it's just occurred to me. Uh, Home on the Range opens with Roseanne Barr. Ah. <laughs> To be fair, to be That's fair. That's a fun joke. That's a no, no, fun that a joke about joke. Rose Enbar. But I was just, I was jumping way ahead.
0: Tangled, I think, actually starts with Mother Gothel, so... Sorta.
1: Mm. Well, okay, we'll see what happens. You know yeah, what? I we'll haven't seen there. Tangled okay, in a very I mean, like, long time. We're going to th- think about we're that. We're just saying, before this, this is the first one it begins on... On like, Jafar. Yeah, I, yes, it begins with the peddler, but the peddler is the... Uh, I-, I see him as more the, I'm telling you a story.
2: He's the framing device. He is the framing yeah. device. And you, and he's not even a framing device, because a framing device appears at the beginning and the end. He's just at the beginning.
0: But yeah. he's the genie, so technically he's at the end too.
2: <laughs> but it doesn't happen in no, the I narrative, mean, yeah. <laughs> so it's not canon. <laughs> oh, it, it, man. It's, it's,
1: it's a half frame. It's a half frame. Uh,
2: it's a fru. It's, it's a fru. a, fru. It's a <laughs> Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I think I think we can end here. Thank this you. This seems guys. good.
0: Thank oh, happy to do it. <laughs> Are you thanking me too?
1: No, I'm thanking Ben. Oh. Oh thank you.
2: I'll do my best.
1: Ben, uh, where can we find you?
2: Plug yourself. Uh, I'm available on the social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at BenPadden. You can find my website, benpadden.net, where you can find out. Uh, when I'm doing stand-up in the Los Angeles area. I also uh, host a podcast called The Game of Rassilon, which is a Doctor Who role-playing game, actual play podcast. We play the Doctor Who role-playing game. We have our own doctor, our own companions. And we are, at time of recording, uh, working on our second season, which should be debuting uh, early to mid-January. We should be announcing a date very soon. Um, what else? What else? What David, else? I uh...
1: David also edits that
2: Yes, David... Awesome. David edits the game of Rassilon, and he does a spectacular job of that as well. Uh, I much. also I also occasionally do YouTube stuff uh, for FilmJoy, which is also the home of Movies with Mikey. I do a YouTube series called Port Center, where I talk about interesting and unique ports, conversions, re-releases of old video games. And I did at the beginning of this year, I did a video about... Um, the Aladdin video game for the Sega Genesis that was developed by Virgin Interactive and its influence on uh, the video game industry of the uh, early to mid-90s. So you can check that out as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash FilmJoy. So check that out. Sounds
0: good. All right. So... Uh... We're starting to get a little colder around here, but don't worry. Uh, Before December's up, we will have an Animusings Plus and talk about a movie very appropriate for the season. And that would be...
1: The Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: Yes. But then stay tuned, in January, we will be roaring into the new year with The Lion King. So, uh, until next time, I guess we're going to hop a carpet and fly on out of here. We didn't really talk about how great the carpet is, did we?
1: The carpet is my favorite character, weirdly enough. Um, And the reason for that is one amazing design amazing design yes and two I love how uh he moves like his movement design is incredible mm. and along with it this is a character that actually has personality
2: yeah and- yeah they, they they get that all through like mime and motion they do a really good job that's something that I feel like the carpet in the live action remake lacked. Um, it, the, the motion and I th- there are some concepts I think that don't translate well to live action and I think anthropomorphic uh, carpet person uh, <laughs> doesn't it just didn't look as good in uh, in, uh, in 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 the flesh as it were uh, yeah I can
1: imagine that to be true because um, it did fit, like, carpet is his own character like yeah this is this is a character with like male pronouns that actually has a personality. That like um he has a sense of humor. He's good at chess. Like, he looks
2: long walks on the
0: beach.
1: Exactly. This
2: knows the genie like the genie and him go way back.
1: They have a secret handshake.
2: I love it. So... I think what we're I think so the, the the lamp's previous owner their three wishes were I wish I had a flying carpet that was alive and could play chess. <laughs> the second wish was I wish I had all of the jewels and gold in the world. And then the third wish was I wish I had a magic cave where I had to get mauled by a tiger to go inside. And if anyone <laughs> takes any of my sh- they die in lava. like wrestling well i'm here to tell you about massive buds wrestling show i'm brendan creasy and you may know me from podcasts such as radio brendo man popsicles and mbws in its former names but we're still here and now we're massive buds wrestling show My friend Keith Gomez and I talk about the latest in WWE, Southern California Indie Wrestling, and Cannabis. Yeah, that's right. I said Cannabis. Check us out. Massive Buds Wrestling Show, MBWSpod.com, or BenviewNetwork.com, and of course, on Apple Podcasts and all podcast services.